This is Ari Koretsky and welcome to Jews You Should Know, introducing the broader community to interesting and inspiring Jewish men and women making a difference in our world. Some are already famous, some not yet so, but each is a Jew you should know. We are here in Jerusalem with Tzvika Klein, a uh, blogger, online personality, expert in uh, Israeli diaspora relations. Uh, how are you, Tzvika? Good, how are you? I'm doing, how, how's it here in Israel? It's amazing, it's really beautiful, and you have uh, an amazing view here in your apartment uh, <laughs> to overlook the, the amazing... Uh, Homes of Jerusalem, the valleys you of Jerusalem. You can actually see the, the old city walls if this big tree was Oh, we got to get rid of that and tree there. People listening won't be able to see it, okay. but they can imagine. Imagine the beautiful rooftops, tile rooftops of Jerusalem. Right. And uh, picture the old city as well. Uh, in any event, Svika, tell us a little bit about where you're from, uh, how you grew up, and a little bit about your background. Okay, um, so uh, I was born in Chicago. I still say Chicago, but I was too when we made Aliyah, moved to Israel. Um, so I kind of, you know, maintained the English because we, I lived in like an English-speaking environment. So your parents are both American? My parents are both American. From Chicago? From Chicago, yeah, we're like, uh, Chicago, right? <laughs> uh, we're like, depends what family, but like four or five genera generations in the US. Wow. So like, you know, no Holocaust connection right. that we know of, but obviously there was, you know, distant family relatives. Um, and then grew up in Ginot Shamron, it's a yeshuv, someone called it a settlement, whatever, in uh, Shamron area. Um, and I lived there, you know, until, until, uh, until I was 18. Uh, went to a history yeshiva in Shiloh, um, and that's where the Mishkan was, right? Yeah, yeah you got the tabernacle, you know yeah. That, you know uh, <laughs> Fun uh, fact, Shiloh fact. <laughs> yeah, Shiloh facts, all right, that's, that's the claim to fame. Um, and then I was in the army in the uh, IDF spokesperson's uh, unit, uh, working with um, mainly Haredi or ultra-Orthodox and religious media outlets, connecting them to the army. Um, so what, which, which outlet, that was Mishpacha, Yated, that kind of stuff? Also, yeah, it was very difficult because I was the first one doing it. Interesting. Um, it was very di difficult to reach out to these outlets because I was trying to just push for positive uh -huh. about the army and they weren't necessarily doing that. So as you were initiating, the army was initiating this program? Right, right. It doesn't okay. exist anymore or maybe it does. I don't know, it died after a few years. But the idea was to really reach out to these news outlets, not only to the huge, you know, news outlets that they work with normally, you know, mainstream media, but to work with the niche. So, like there was someone who was also doing Russian media in right. Israel, which Interesting. Is, you know, which is you know, big population, um, and the Haredi population was the more difficult one because it was, um, you know, not it was ideological resistance, right? The exactly. Army so it, it wasn't easy. I had a lot of. Uh, clashes and you know negative things right. written about it and me, but <laughs> were you but able to make any progress? Any headway? Yeah, I think so. When you realize that, it, that people who are who are ultra orthodox uh, don't have TVs at home or you know then definitely not access to the internet. Now it's different. You realize that there are certain things that they enjoy, which is like you know if if someone who is not Haredi enjoys like an action movie or TV show. So they don't have that. So when they enjoyed articles about these heroic stories. War stories, yeah. Yeah, or like airplanes. Like the IDF got this new airplane. Uh, they loved it, you know? They didn't have to get into the ideological right. issue of what was going on, but they loved the fact. The technical stuff and the yeah. kind of the interesting. So at the end of the article, they said, oh, the IDF spent a ton of money on the launch, but whatever, you know? Okay, fine. I can deal with that, but uh, yeah, so it was, it was very interesting. Did you forge any relationships with editors or heads of the... Uh, I, I didn't, I, by the time I got to this position, it was just like I did it for like a year. So I didn't have enough time to build right. up all the relations, you know, whatever. But in a way, that's kind of what gave me my direction uh, in media. After this, I, I, I kind of like wanted to, to run away from the whole world of media. It kind of disgusted me and like the whole issue of dealing with, I don't know, with headlines and... and, and because the sensationalism? Yeah, and negative issues and stuff like that. Um, but it kind of just like came back to me because I guess that's what I had. That was in your bones. Yeah. I want to get to that. So yeah. I just want to back up a little bit again to your yeah. childhood. First, first of all, was, was two years enough to bake into you a, a Cubs 
uh, fandom. Did I have to ask my parents? No, no Cubs. Uh, oh, Cubs, Cubs. I didn't get that. Um, you know, I grew up knowing that I sh- need to uh, support the Cubs, <laughs> and they were very bad until you know recently. There was a few yeah. positive things thanks, going thanks on. Thanks to few Like a nice chew. You know, you're supposed to like the Cubs and not the White Sox. Like whatever. There's different things you get. You know, from generation to generation. <laughs> my grandmother <laughs> passed away a few years ago. Would watch every single game. You know. Well, she was like a big fan. Harry so, Carey. Um, yeah, so she didn't get to see the, the, the fame in the past few years or whatever. But, uh, but yeah. Uh, I saw after the war. I saw after the big sports fan, so I don't even know. After they the mention war. the names, I'll be like, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll nod. After the war, I saw that they, uh, people were going to their like parents' graves. Really? Like, yeah, I'm saying, you know, Dad, they finally won. You know, Jews? I don't know about okay. Jews, but probably okay. some Jews, you know, but okay. people in general, Chicagoans. Okay, okay. So, you know, pretty crazy. What was it like growing up in Gino Tremone in the heart, as you said, quote unquote, a settlement? You know, that's kind of a politically right. charged term. Right. Uh, but uh, in the, the West Bank, the Judea Samaria, however you want to uh, right. define it, right. what was that experience like? Was it a typical bucolic, you know, beautiful, just picturesque childhood or was there a lot of kind of activity and was it was it sort of I think heated? both I yeah. think both because first of all you know I mean I think at a very young age you already go to wherever you want uh, when you want and you don't need your parents to drive you to yeah. like I don't know after school curriculum or 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 to school you know you either walk there or you have a bus whatever organized by by the municipality um, and you know lots of time with friends and um, my family also my cousins live there so oh, very, very nice. nice down the street yeah um and it was you know everything was new so like i remember when they you know built sidewalks and stuff like that and there weren't sidewalks before that um as like a very young kid but um um it, it was a sense of community and here in israel you know not many people necessarily live that way where it's like a, a, a community that everyone knows each other mm. and um, many communities here in Israel are very, you know, um, it's not like you have a Jewish community outside of Israel. It's kind of like you can belong to a synagogue, but like the synagogue isn't necessarily the center of what's going on because there's so many other things going on Jewishly, right? right? right. Um, but then again, also growing up, like like demonstrations were a part of my childhood, you know, against Oslo, the Oslo agreements, right? Ninety uh, two, yeah. yeah, or yeah, ninety three. What was going on, yeah. and all the and all the uh, terrorist attacks. Not so much where we were living, actually, you know, more central areas of, in Israel. But like, I remember every time there was a terrorist attack, my parents would be like, "I can't believe it. This is terrible. This and that." But to me, it was just like reality, you know. Right. Just like because you were ba- you were basically a native, essentially. Yeah, I mean, I grew up when people were, you know, there are terrorist attacks every few months or whatever, and and buses can explode, and my parents grew up in America where that wasn't happening. Yeah, what brought them here? Zionism. Interesting. Yeah, they grew up in Bnei Akiva. They were both very active, and that was, you know, what they grew up believing in. And so it just kind of took them. They a almost to get actually it. made Aliyah to a kibbutz because that's what they were telling everybody right. these days: is make Aliyah to a kibbutz. And they almost did it. They spent Shabbat in Tirat Tzvi, uh, and then they decided that that wasn't for well them. Wasn't for them. They didn't like yeah, the, yeah. the the sharing uh, model. Right, right. Kibbutzim yeah. in general are kind of going by the wayside now. Right. Or right. privatizing at least. Right, I think they're eighty percent right. privatized now. Tirat Tzvi has very good meat, though. Do they really? Yeah, well, let's yeah. Go. <laughs> that, that, that's the like the cold cut. Uh, ah, right. Cold cut kibbutz. Yeah. Kosher cold cut kibbutz. I like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Okay, well, you then yeah. maybe you missed out. On I missed out on, on the meat, but you know, you can you can buy it in any supermarket in Israel. So you got the garden of Gino right, right, Shamron. Right. Um, is Gino Shamron um, an area that would you'd say kind of is contested nowadays in terms of the way that they're looking at the future? You know, when they talk about um, land swaps and things like that. So it's considered it's a, it's called the Gushei Teshuvut. So it's like. Um, like uh, I don't know, um, bulks of areas that are connected to each other. I guess okay. uh, that are not like Maladumim, uh, Refrat, uh, and right. So it's a very big. It's part of Karnashimon, which is which is. Ah. The, so it's a very big uh, settlement, I would say. Um, so it's not being. Consistent. So when they talk about future plans, they would that would be something that would be right. swapped back or whatever it would be. Right. I don't know, but it, so it's not like the smaller settlement. Right. It's not like a hilltop uh, right. outpost. No, no, no. How many families were there when you were growing up, and has it grown a lot? Um, it has. I don't know. It's a good question, but like it's. I mean, there's. I think there's. Definitely, maybe like twenty thousand. Twenty thousand people. I'll have to check this now. Yeah. But, okay. Uh, look it up. <laughs> yeah. Then uh, you'll add it in. But uh, yeah. I mean, it's 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 big. Yeah. 
I may be I may be wrong. But definitely thousands of people. Definitely wow. thousands of people live there. Uh, yeah, it's not small. You don't know everybody. I mean, okay. Uh, and it's uh, it's mixed uh, religious and non-religious. Okay. And within the religious sector, is it kind of monolithic, or there's different strands of religious? So as my well? neighborhood was just like English-speaking people who made Aliyah from the U.S., Canada, Australia, UK. Right, Anglo's, yeah. Yeah. So that was interesting. And people, as you know, you see a kid of like British uh, Olim speaking English and American accent outside, but at home speaking British English. <laughs> So you have that a lot, or Australians that you know, kind of. You want to be part of everyone. Most of them were Americans, so. Right. But uh, yeah. When you went to the IDF, why did you go to the media division? Um, it's something I kind of always wanted to do, uh, and then make a difference. I actually had a dream to do international media, um, and the way the the IDF doesn't necessarily always work in a very smart way. Um, you know, it's very bureaucratic, very big. Um, things are run by kids, um, and and. Uh, I actually had the opportunity to do that at a certain point of my uh, service, but then they said you could either start this new branch dealing with you know the Orthodox media in Israel or do the international stuff and be one of I don't know a few tens of people. So I figured I would do that. Carve your own niche. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's cool. It sounds like it was a good experience. And what did you enjoy enjoy about it besides obviously the the pushback that you got, but right. what about media in general did, did you enjoy, or do you enjoy? Um, well, I don't do that type of media so much anymore, okay. but um, I think first of all, it was interesting for me to open up you know, to the world, you know, where people aren't always religious or non-religious, or I don't know what, like, there's very different types of Israelis. Um, and just to learn, it's, it's the best school you can, you can have for learning you know, media. So just getting to understand, and also understanding that at the end of the day, it's people. It's people to people. It's not you know, some big giant who's deciding this or that. It's, it's a person that it does everything that you do. And, you know, and, and if you're able to connect to these people, then you can make that change. Right. Uh, and if not, then you won't. <laughs> right, so you found it was a real, a real yeah. vehicle for influence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But at the end of the day, it's really like it's a person behind right. that microphone. Or, or he puts on um, his pants in the morning too, as they say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He goes to the bathroom, you know. Yeah. Like that's uh, so. Yeah, that's awesome. So you did this for a year in the army, and then well, just explain for a minute. Many of the listeners may not know what exactly a Hesder Yeshiva is, right. um, and how that program works. A Hesder Yeshiva is basically uh, five years where you, instead of three years of army service, you, uh, you go into, yesh- you, go, you learn in, in Yeshiva for a year and a half, then you go into the army for a year up to a year and a half, and then you go back to Yeshiva uh, and, and sum up the, the five years. So the full army service is actually a shorter Service, right? Three Even years. though the overall time right, part is of it, you're like you're connected to the army. You, there's certain obligations you have. There's certain holidays where you go back in and like help out for certain things when you're ready back in yeshiva. And if something breaks out, are you yeah they mandated? Call you back they call you back it's in. It's not even reserve. It's like you're part of you're you know, part of the active still, duty at that yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right, yeah. right. So you were in the one in Shiloh. How did yeah. you choose that particular location? Um, I don't know. It wasn't whatever. It's not something that I'm very necessarily proud of. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, I don't necessarily. It doesn't exist at, at the moment anymore. Um, uh-huh. It kind of happened. Uh, I don't think it defines me as a person who I am today. Got but, it. Uh, Got it. There were very positive things. Well, there, there was too. a scandal there or something. Like that. No, 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 no. Just like whatever. It just it's not um, the way that they see Judaism. I think is a little different than what I see it today. Uh-huh. I uh-huh. got a lot of positive, you know, studies there of you know Hasidut. Which is not something that you know back then necessarily you would learn in all history yeshivas, which is interesting, or Musal and other subjects. I don't connect I mean, me myself like Mara isn't my thing. You're so more of a spiritual. Uh, type. I don't know. So then, when you're in history <laughs> yeshiva, then you, if you're not learning Gemara, it's not uh, right. Not the place for you. So I probably, I probably should have chosen something else, but that's what I chose. So. Right, right, so, right. Yeah. So you finished this five-year program, and yeah. then I went on shlichut. Okay, so explain what that emissary. is. I was an emissary for the Jewish Agency in World B'nai Akiva to uh, South Florida. Cool. Good choice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right? Especially for the winter. Where exactly? Which community? Well, yeah, so, so one of the options was Toronto, and I okay. actually wanted to go there, but uh, my friend who went with me is like, no way, I'm not going to Toronto. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was amazing. Uh, we, there were four of us. Two of us lived in Hollywood. Beautiful. Two lived in North Miami Beach. We taught in a school called Hebrew Academy in, yep. North Miami, in uh, Miami Beach. Miami Beach, yeah. Uh, all the way to Miami Beach, down all the way. Yeah, so it was actually so, a long drive every morning. You know, Ron Dermer went there. 
Yeah, and so he was on one of your I, I interviewed him, sorry. I, I listened to some of it this morning. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And, um, yeah, was, what was the, what's the name of the Alexander? Um, um, something Alexander, I'll think of it, something with an M. R-S-A-G yeah. Hebrew Academy. So Rabbi Alexander Gross. Gross, right. Gross, yeah. Hebrew uh, Academy. So that's where you were. That's a bit yeah. of a trek from Hollywood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was whatever, you know, there's not a lot of money. So, like, let's get four guys who just finished the army. And uh, so each one of us was assigned to a community. Uh, so it was, um, it was Miami Beach, North Miami Beach, Hollywood. Um, Boca? And ish, okay. kind of, whatever. <laughs> that was complicated. Okay. <laughs> and uh, NCSY and everything right, right, that was right, right. going on there. And yeah, so every Shabbos and, and you know, we try a little bit during the week. It wasn't very easy. Uh, we were assigned to the community, and you know, were you at the youngest real there or? in Hollywood? In Hollywood, yeah, oh, Rabbi, Rabbi Davis, right? Been Amazing there for like fifty community. years. Yeah. Now, were you there at all with Rabbi Weinstock, or he wasn't there? He yet? was the assistant rabbi. Assistant rabbi, then. yeah. And now he is. That right? was the head. I think the right. senior. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was an amazing year, an amazing experience for Beautiful us. Beautiful place over me. there. Yeah, I mean, it was interesting because when you're a Zionistic shaliach, an emissary, so like you come and like at the end of the day you say like you're coming, and, and at the end of the day like the classic thing is like you're saying you want to make people make all yeah. Today it's a little different and more complex. It, it, you know, people won't necessarily the organization won't say that Aliyah is its highest uh, priority and the Jewish people, agency. People find that offensive. Um, yeah. So it would be like strengthening the Jewish community, right. uh, Jewish uh, identity, and then that would be the second cause would be Aliyah. Right. Um, but for me, it was it was difficult to see that I could actually see myself living there. Uh. Um, but then when I got broke it down to like, would I want my kids to grow up here? And then I said no. Interesting, but you but felt a little like, pangs of guilt. I loved it. I loved <laughs> it. Really, I mean, it was amazing. People you go to the beach like, right nearby, and actually, not. I'm not such a beach oh, person. Really? And in Hollywood, uh, the community there isn't really like on the beach, but in Miami Beach, right in the school, like I, I would take you know, if I had a uh, an hour off, I'd just like walk five minutes right. to the beach. You're right down there on the Collins, yeah. yeah. Like you feel like you're on you're on vacation. Oh, the Hasidim walking around and everything. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's but, interesting. It's, but I mean, Hollywood, you can go to Hollywood Boardwalk, which uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's really it's nice because at the yeah, end it is like a drive. It's not. It's a bit of a drive. Yeah. But at the end of the Hollywood Boardwalk, it's basically empty. Right. There's right. nobody there. You can have a private beach. Right. Uh, right. But you're not far from Danya Beach and all these other. Right. You know, it's beautiful. I, I love it down there. Right, right. I, bro I have brothers that live in South Florida. And, oh yeah. Um, one one in West Palm and one in Miami. Um, but you were there for just one year. Just one year, uh, we I almost stayed for another year. Did you, I was gonna say, did you consider? Because sometimes they yeah. stay longer. Yeah, I did, but then I don't remember why, but it didn't work out. Um, but like they wanted us, we wanted it, and just I don't right. know, I think, figured like right. start my life already. Sure. <laughs> and this was the plan just to come back and do university and. Um, I actually had a dream to do film school. Wow. And I didn't get accepted twice. Oh uh, no. Twice. Which film school? Where, where, what's, is there like one in Israel? No, there are many of them. Okay. Uh, and I was sure like they're going to accept me. There was, I, I, there was like no question about it. Where did you apply? Uh, it's called Ma'ale uh, here in Jerusalem. And twice. And yeah, I was, you know. The Should we go rough them up after this? <laughs> no, no. Bemet, I mean, I really feel like it was Meant a, to be. a calling from mm. some up, someone up there saying, okay. Um, and uh, so then I started working, I was like, okay, what am I going to do? So I started working for um, the World Zionist Organization and for World B'nai Akiva, which is two little, you know, organizations that for me was like, wow, a dream come true to like work with like Jewish organizations around the world. You know, I sent out Shlichim, emissaries. Uh, so you now became like a coordinator for, the ish, for yeah. people like you. And, and then within like a few months, I was a spokesperson for like two of the organizations. Uh, just because there were events and they wanted someone to do media. I was like, I know how to do media. To English media or Hebrew media? Both. And then, and then, you know, it just like, it just came back automatically. Right. And then I realized when I was doing something that I believed in and promoting something that I believe in to, and it was actually able to make a difference, um, then, then it worked better than it did in the army. Like the, everything I felt worked better afterwards. It was more uh, aligned with kind of your Personal. Yeah, with who I was, and, and the army, whatever, the army is a huge, uh, you know, the, the, the amount of what you can do is very small. Um, and when you're one person in organizations that aren't as big, you're able to do more. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I ended up doing education and media and social media, and social media was very new. I remember uh, doing these lectures for the people before they went on this shlichut, and I said, I taught them what Facebook was. I had, I had a PowerPoint presentation. 
about what Facebook was and why they had to open it. And I got, I had some resistance at the beginning. Like, you know, the older ones were like already married who said, why do I need this? And what's this guy talking about? And like, you know, but uh, it's crazy. It's hard to <laughs> I mean, imagine. Today, I don't now Facebook is yeah, passed. They don't have to do that anymore. Now they're going to on Instagram and right, Snapchat. Right, you know, right. Facebook's already on the out. It's right, like, right. It's for our people. generation. Right. It's not. For the young people. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, so it was great. So I did that for like five, six years. Wow. Um, and then and then I started doing a little bit of, of, of um, PR uh, for other organizations too, including these organizations. Um, and then after a year of doing that, I got a, or two years of doing that, I got a call to, from um, a publisher of the newspaper I work for today. He, he's not the publisher anymore. Uh, Makori Shon, which is the newspaper I work for, saying we want to establish this crazy news magazine, Hebrew English. It will be called the, the the code name at the moment was the Zionist, <laughs> like the Economist. It's gonna be like Time, Newsweek, I don't know what. Right. From Jerusalem, Hebrew English. Hebrew English meaning what? The same articles uh, no, translated? Yeah, or? yeah. Like, like one half and one half. No, like two separate supplements. Ah, okay. But like uh, you know, I was picturing like one side you read it and then no, no, flip no, no, it no, over. No. You know? Not like what you see in the airplane. <laughs> where it's like the language of the airline right, in right. English. No. Um, and um, so yeah, so uh, it didn't happen at the end. <laughs> but I was already hired, and I was pretty much just turned into like the foreign news editor, uh, doing also Jewish diaspora. But at the end of the day, I realized that anyone can translate, anyone who speaks both languages, right, can translate AP, Reuters, and I don't know news outlets to Hebrew. But I had this Jewish world thingy going on. And I realized that that was, you know, my calling. That's what I wanted to do. And some guy who replaced me in the army doing what we were doing, who is now my brother-in-law, okay, Whoa. and a journalist in, in another newspaper, and like the largest newspaper in Israel, said, this Jewish world stuff you're doing, and he's like not very into the whole Jewish world, whatever. He's like, <laughs> nobody's doing that. Stick to that. Anyone else, anyone could do international. Do this. And I listened to him. Uh, now we're brothers-in-law, right? So that's, that's cool. Uh, but uh, but then I started doing that. And I realized there was no one else pretty much doing it. So uh, what's the what's the it? What's the this? What's the when you say the Jewish world stuff? Reporting on Jewish world is Israelis in Hebrew. So meaning finding out what's going on in the diaspora and telling Israelis about it yeah. in their language. Right, right, and in ways that they're able to. So what would be some what would be some it. examples of, of that? Ah, uh, so many. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> so now, years later, when I'm actually like so deep into it, so like I'm, I, I told you I was doing, I'm starting to do series. A few weeks ago, I started where each week I'm interviewing a different top Israeli figure or top U.S. American figure, um, a personality about the relations between Israel and the American Jewish community, specifically U.S. being okay. the largest Jewish community outside of Israel, with you know the whole issue. The whole um, talk about the Kotel and the and the conversion crisis and stuff like that. Right. Uh, many Jews in the U.S. and definitely the, the American Jewish media has been very critical towards Israel. Sure. Um, the American Jewish community, seventy something percent of them are Democrats here in Israel. Pretty much the opposite. More are on the right. More are Orthodox in the U.S. Only ten percent are Orthodox. So it's a very big. Um, you know, it's like we're like opposite communities. Um, so I interviewed um, a Supreme Court judge, Eli um, um, Kim Rubenstein. He's a religious guy who finished a few years ago in the Supreme Court. Um, he was like the deputy, uh, what's the word? Chief Justice? Yeah. Um, under Barack, under Aaron Barack? Uh, yeah, I think so, yeah, yeah. And under the current yeah. uh, head. Um, I interviewed Rav Shmuel Eliyahu, who's son of Rav Mordechai Eliyahu, he's the rabbi of Tzfat, and like one of the bigger Sephardic Israeli Tzionidati rabbis, who's kind of on the right of religious Zionism, and he was very, you know, anti-reform Judaism, anti... He said you can't be fully orthodox outside of Israel. Interesting. What do you think about that? <laughs> That's a good question. Well, I mean, there's certainly, it's not me. It's, you know, the uh, Nachmanides himself says that. Right. Someone who lives in the diaspora says has no God. I mean, you know, it's a strong statement. Right. You have to understand what he means. But right. there's no question that there's, uh, there's something missing, right. you know. Uh, there's something in the air that's here in Israel. And, right. Um, I, I think that 
you know, it has it's it's a complicated question, and people have to um, weigh it carefully and right. make sure they're gonna if they're gonna live in Israel that they can do it in a way right. that's gonna be stable and so at the and, moment and so now, like in between like our interview here yeah. right now, so I, I'm writing an interview I did with R- R- Rabbi Rick Jacobs, how did the reform? Yeah, reform movement, sure. So this is like the opposite yeah. of Rav Shmuel Yao, and he says very powerful things that are going to get a lot of people here mad. <laughs> um, maybe even the majority of Israelis. Uh, but I feel, you know, this is um, this is a way to create discussion. And, and he's and saying what, that it's it's wonderful to live outside of Israel and uh, that kind of thing? It, so everyone get t- touches different topics. Yeah. That was, you know, his, Rab Eliyahu's topic. Here it was Rick Jacobs, of, I mean. Yeah, so Jacobs wasn't into that. He wasn't talking about if you can. Oh. Because there were so many issues to get to even before that. You right. know what I'm saying? Like, right. obviously, in in the eyes of the reform movement, there is no problem to live here. I mean, obviously, there's more holiness here in Israel. Uh, but right. he was talking about intermarriage as a way of Kiruv. Right. As and you do true. Kiruv. I don't know if you would necessarily right. agree with that. Different model, yeah. Yeah. So, um, Different model is a good, good way of putting there it. There you go. Politically, politically correct. correctly. Okay. It's interesting, you know, because, you know, Reform Judaism originally, it's, if you study the... Was anti-Zionist. It's, yeah, if you study its... its right. uh, its origins was anti-Zionist, feverishly anti-Zionist, you know, excising references designed from the prayer book and right. all those kinds of things. And obviously there's been a metamorphosis there. Um, and, and today right. that's not the case. But I think it's a, a complicated relationship because, he, you know, here it is a state, uh, the, the religion of the state, of course, is Judaism and it's uh, monopolized by right. um, the more religious sector. Um, and right. so that's that's... You know, I think a lot of non-Orthodox right. Jews find that um, offensive or, or upsetting. Mm. Um, and I can understand that perspective, although I myself um, am Orthodox, obviously. Right. I, I hear the perspective here where people are coming from, even if I... Are there people, by the way, yeah. in your community that, w- that would say... that would Because um, obviously in the U.S., you know, there is a separation, clear yeah. separation of church and state. Are there people in, like, the Orthodox community in America that would say that Israel should separate? I definitely have heard that argument. Yeah. I've definitely heard people say, let get the get the politics, you know, um, divest the uh, religion from mm. politics. You know, right. don't mix the two together. Right. That both religion and politics suffer when you have this um, enmeshment. Because, I mean, on the one hand, I mean, Israel's not a theocracy, right? It's a democracy. Right. But it's a democracy that is um, deeply entrenched right. uh, in Jewish values and Jewish law and you have a religion department within the chief rabbinate you have you know and, and so um, and you have a ministry a ministry of, of religion yeah so right. um, I think there definitely are Orthodox Jews who feel that way and there's many others who feel look right. I understand it creates problems but at the end of the day we need to have sort of a they're kind of standing in the breach to make sure that the Jewish character of the state is is preserved right um, so it's interesting so I so I found it took me years to realize this, and at the beginning I thought it was something negative, and now maybe I, there are positive parts about it. I'm not a very opinionated person, okay? So I can sit with Rick Jacobs and totally get some of the stuff he's saying, but then on the, on the other side, sit with Rav Shmuel Yao and get what he's saying. Um, Which is and critical for a journalist, right? Yeah, but like you don't see that so much anymore, you know what I'm saying? Like, like today, yep. journalism is becoming more and more kind of like... Uh, promoting I mean obviously I'm a promoting a certain agenda but my, right. my agenda is very broad I want to expose what, uh, you know both sides to each other or, uh, and stuff like that I'm not trying to promote reform Judaism here in Israel you know what I'm saying I don't mind if it would happen I'd be happy for more secular Israelis to be religious in a certain way uh, but that's not what I'm promoting I'm promoting you know exposure and a sense of you know unity between both sides um, but like you see on social media, like I'm on Twitter, okay? So I have maybe like 4,000 followers. I can't remember exactly. But if I would be more opinionated, I would have more followers. Right. But do I want to be that person? Right. Not really. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's complicated. I, yeah, I think today it's uh, in the world of media, people are definitely staking out positions and it's agenda driven. I had an interesting conversation uh, just yesterday with Gil Hoffman of the Jerusalem Post. Yeah. Oh, he lives like really close by here. Okay, so okay. we did this in the Knesset, which was really cool, Okay. Um, which is where his office is. But Next time I'll invite you to our office. There you go. Sorry about that. <laughs> it's okay. totally fine. I prefer okay. the home overlooking uh, right. the, the Jerusalem. But he was saying, you know, we were talking a lot about this, about subjectivity in journalism and how he has to really maintain that balance and really strives to do that. Right. Um, and therefore he appears on Al Jazeera, 
they'll have him on because he's willing to go right. just down the middle and say things how right. they are right. and people can interpret whatever they, they want yeah, yeah. They want. so I so I'll put that Kirov question with with Rupe Jacob saying you know that that intermarriage officiating intermarriage whatever is, is a sense of Kirov Jewish outreach yeah into the community um I don't have to criticize it, even though I don't necessarily agree. I'll let other people do that. You know, what I'm saying right. like I don't have to do do it for them. Um, I would make sure that the editor puts it as a headline right. or something like that as a headline to create, you know, conversation. Yeah. Do you do you find uh, that there's a lot when when you do that 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 you drive a lot of discussion on social media? A hundred percent, because um, I see it also on the on the comments on articles that I write. Um, Many of the comments would be just be make aliyah. What are you guys doing there? Or it's your fault. There's anti-Semitism. You're stuck there. Come to Israel. You know, and, and things like that. Uh, that's one direction. Otherwise, other directions would be you know re- religion and state. There's so many discussions about that, especially nowadays here in Israel. Um, so yeah, I mean, but but then again, this is not. I always tell people when I speak about journalism and stuff like that that there's like a certain uh, there's like the food chain. And then see on the top of the food chain, it's different in each country, but I mean, it would probably be similar in a lot of them. So like here in Israel, like the journalists covering um, diplomatic or the prime minister's office, you know, they're on the top there with, you know, with security, obviously defense, right? That's, you know, also up there. And then you go slowly down to like education and you know, welfare. And at a certain point, you know, after um, the, uh, what's it called? Echutas Viva would be... Um, would it be the environment, right? Then you have Jewish diaspora related. <laughs> You're in the bottom of the barrel. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like it's 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 even under religion. It's not, you know, it's like it's under that. Well, that's low, right? <laughs> you know, like each site would have like a religion. Some sites would have like a religion section, right? So here it's even it's under that. Um, and it, you know, and I try and change that. You know, one person can't really make a hu- uh, you know all of the change, but I definitely feel that there's there there are discussions and. And things that are brought up because I'm 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 putting the spotlight on it, and there aren't many people here in Israel who are actually discussing it. So I feel like any everything that I you know even just one article that I that I write about um, can make a difference. For instance, now in the UK, there's the whole issue of anti-Semitism in the labor. I don't know if you're following. Yeah, Corbyn. Corbyn, right? Jeremy Corbyn was the head of the labor movement. It's crazy stuff. We're in 2018. The head of like the opposition in the UK is an anti-Semite, you know, they're not willing, I mean, I just interviewed the head of the Jewish community, like, they're not, this is a guy who's not willing to, like, see Israel as a Jewish state, to, 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 to acknowledge the fact that the Jewish people have a right to, you know, to a state of their own, um, and this is, you know, this is Britain, it's not, I don't know, an Arab state or something, or, you know, Middle East, this is, you know, Western uh, Western society, and there are three hundred thousand Jews there, and there, actually, people are speaking about leaving, um, and you don't see the. I mean, again, it's a very complex situation, and we're not a generation that can understand complexity. Is that a word? Complexity. Yeah. Complexity, right? Okay, I grew up in Israel. <laughs> um, so, so maybe that's why, or maybe just because we don't we see it as like a foreign affairs issue. But I don't see it as foreign affairs. I see this as something that's that's part of us, you know. Um, so I have a big interview with the head of the Jewish community, uh, the Jewish Leadership Council, this week in the paper, and and I think this should be something that on our radar, and it's not. You know, we we do cover it like a little bit in, in the Israeli media, but not enough. Yeah. Um, so you know, so I see it as as my. As my goal to promote things that aren't being discussed regularly. What are you seeing when, when you feature all these stories about the diaspora? Are you seeing Israelis um, embracing those stories and say, "Wow, this is interesting. I never knew about this stuff." A lot of them, yeah. Or is it more like, "Dude, you know, stick with Israel. You know, this is who cares about them." Both, both. A lot of people would say, "Listen, you see it. Um, you see the hits." On, on the site, right? So it's not, there's not a question, like, you, you know what stories work and what don't, and obviously with your blog, you, you can do the same. Um, it's interesting, like on the home pages of sites, so like, you know, big sites with lots of, with lots of human resources, and I used to work for a newspaper called Ma'ariv, 
So we had like a sure. very big staff and stuff like that. So you see like the guy sitting in the homepage with you know the thing he's jumping around and and like you may change a headline a little bit or a picture. This oh, he's watching like in real time. Yeah, real time. Wow. Because like you know this is the way. That's you know, cool. Yeah, it's actually very interesting. And you like change a picture and then it can make things higher or lower and then you know what works and what doesn't work and it, it takes time to, to learn that. Um, but I definitely know that these stories are you know they work and I, I, I'm followed up by by radio or TV sometimes you know stories that I break and, and publish that are that are uh, that are unique to, to our paper or to, that I was the only one, only one that wrote about in here in Israel um, so I definitely see that on one side definitely people are interested and they're like why didn't I hear about this or learn about this but on the other side a lot of negativity a lot of people saying, you know, these are rich Americans. Why do we need it? For instance, now there's a lot of money, Israeli government money, put it, put into the American Jewish into the world Jewish community. Yes. Okay. Lots of negative feedback about that. Um, Naftali Bennett, who's the minister, is doing it. Is actually, I would say, definitely not gaining any political power because of that, maybe even losing because he's supporting, you know, different movements yeah, that are not the orthodox. Co program called Mosaic, which right. is, I'm um, very, I'm um, personally, not personally, but my organization is a recipient right. of, um, it was, it was basically a three-way partnership. or something. Through Olami, okay. Hillel International, right. Chabad, right. Uh, received, this you know, This is millions. not hundreds of millions of shekels. Yeah, eventually, right. It's growing right. slowly each year. Right. Uh, but yeah, Bennett's really been the one behind it with Dvir Kahana right. um, and such. Right. Um, this is a major, major, yeah, uh, groundbreaking initiative also i think politically complicated because uh, the relationship between that and the jewish agency and right who's kind yeah, of yeah, steering it and, yeah. you know classic israeli uh, politics i wrote so much about that but it was, it's not really interesting you know what i'm saying like yeah, people don't just, care that much it's not the story even though i i find it interesting but it's not it's right not, uh, it's not interesting so i just wrote a story a few weeks ago about the fact that there's this organization called Wait, what's their name? They're like it's like the it's a new organization. It's that it's the they're like an umbrella for the Jewish day schools. I'm not sure. Okay, I'll think about it in a second. In in, in North America. Yeah. Um. So they asked for through Devir Kahana and Bennett. They asked for a for funding for Jewish day schools in the in North America to kind of help solve the tuition crisis. Wow. Okay. Do you know, I mean, my wife got mad at me for this story because she's like, and she's not very interested in what I write about usually, <laughs> but she's just, she's just like, I can't believe this. Like, why are you even helping them out? You know, we should support their schools that charge $40,000 a year for a kid or whatever, this and that. I said, well, first of all, you know, they're expensive. First of all, it's 20. <laughs> well, it depends where. Depends where. Now you're right. Right. Some of them are 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 60. Yeah, that's Come true. On. Come on, but uh, yeah, but uh, but I said, listen, you know, it's a, it depends the way you look at it. I see it as we're one nation, one gener one, you know, and and now we're stronger, maybe in certain aspects. Think about it, historically, it was the yeah, always the, it was the opposite. It was yeah. always the opposite, right? Only, go back to the old issue. It's, uh, hundreds of years they would go out to, then it's to raise money. You when you're a journalist and you, you hear the same politicians <laughs> at, at the same events, so he has got this speech about the wallet. That the Jewish diaspora used to be our wallet and give us money, and now it's the opposite, um, in different variations. But that's the story. That's that's his shtick. Right. Uh, so uh, so yeah, and so so I actually had a meeting with Vir Kahana a few a few days ago, and I told him, you know, like I got a lot of negative feedback, which is good for me as a journalist, right? But I said that a lot of people who are like Jewish diaspora oriented, whatever, deal with Jewish diaspora, are very against this initiative. And he, he actually got the opposite. He got just like too negative and there, like a lot of positive feedback. So uh, it's he probably only heard from parents in America. <laughs> yeah. could, be, could be. My wife said, you know what? I have an idea. If they do this, and then they should commit to some sort. It should be like a, like a loan, and then they have to like give back like a year and come and volunteer in Israel for a year or something. I said, okay, I'll, I'll pass that on right. to the people who are dealing with it. But uh, yeah, but you know, uh, it, 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 it was a very uh, touchy subject. That's so interesting. Yeah. That's so interesting. So it, it sounds like there is a lot of, once you, if you hit on the right It's subject. very emotional. Yeah. It's very emotional. No, depends how you look at it, but like, listen, I deal with editors that don't, in my newspaper, that don't think that Jews have a right to exist outside of Israel. Right. You know, it's not easy. You have to fight for your stories. You have to promote it, you know. Uh, every journalist wants to be front page news, so, you know, you gotta... 
you got to push, and us Israelis, we know how to push. So. How would you define uh, the place of your particular paper before we show? And I mean, it's right wing. People might be more familiar with Israel Hayom, right. which is the right wing. So Israel Hayom is actually our, they own us. Uh, they own Makori Show, because yeah. that's the Adel Sheldon Adelson's right. uh, so origin. We're smaller, so we're smaller uh, when it comes to. So, what's to the difference? Is why, why is it not part of Israel Hayom? The they bought us, okay. uh, we were owned by someone else, the one that hired me. Um, and we were connected for a few years with Ma'ariv. We were syndicated with each other, kind of the same group. Um, and we are small, uh, smaller, but we are more in depth and um, kind of elitist, I would say, in a certain way. Like we talk to the elite of the right wing um, establishment. Yeah, pretty much. Even though today, since the government for many years has been to the right, so we are a major, you know, player when it comes to the Israeli media. Many uh, politicians or you know heads of I don't know the army or the police would, would prefer uh, an interview by us because they want the in-depth part of it, but also to get to our readership. That is, you know, ministers, heads of the state, um, you know, people who are running different uh, um, uh, government offices, um, who are in court, who are. Uh, running businesses uh, who are in high positions in the IDF, so uh, so we we are definitely so it's more of a niche paper for the kind of the upper strata yeah of, uh, of Israeli yeah. society and it's particularly on the right uh, yeah definitely <laughs> interesting is there yeah. is there a counterpart on the left Haaretz but isn't Haaretz a much wide more widely circulated no no not in Israel interesting it's very we were like one percent different now from then. There was just a report. So the major left-wing paper would but be the Haaretz's strength is their their website. Our website is, is, is isn't as uh, is newer and it's not as breaking news as they are. And their English site. Uh. We don't have an English site, and that's where their strength is. But um, yeah, that's people always compare us. To and the Haaretz larger one on the left would be Idiot. Idiot is you know center left. But okay. Yeah. yeah. And that would be like the the equivalent of Israelium. That's a competition that. for Israelium. Yeah, yeah. Got it. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So would you say you're kind of more skewing more towards like a news magazine mm -hmm. in a certain way in terms 100%. of the yeah. in-depth kind of, kind um, of Actually, since there was all these different changes in the Israeli media, and you don't want to get into it now, but basically a few months ago the whole format changed, and I'm pretty much like our site doesn't have. We're not like chasing. For instance, if there would be a terrorist attack now in Jerusalem. We we're not going to necessarily send someone to run around and like report. Okay, now it's three people injured. Now it's four. Now it's five. This is that level of injury and stuff like that. Now we're we're more about analysis, exclusive stories, um, um, interviews in right. depth, and, and it's actually more fun for me. For sure, yeah. Because for years, you know, you're just chasing, you know, your tail and different stuff like that, and, and then finally, you know, you have an opportunity to actually do more in-depth, more, I mean, most of the stories I will publish will be either exclusive or our angle on it, which is, you know, I, I feel like that's the future because everything today is on Twitter. Yeah, you can find the news on Twitter yeah, in two seconds. Or news yeah. briefs and stuff like that. It's like perspective you, that's missing. Right, exactly. Yeah. Or like you see it on TV here a lot, there's like, you know, there's like a special, I don't know, special magazine part of, of the news and, and then you have like, uh, there was one Israeli um, journalist who who covered like the fact that the religious Zionist community was becoming to be like uh, they called it the spectrum. People were on the spectrum of being somewhere between religious Zionist and, and secular, but with a kippa, without a kippa, keeping Shabbat, but not this. You know, in America, you had the ha what was it? Half Shabbat and half Shabbat, Shabbat and texting like on Shabbat. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, the, you were always a few years before. Right. This, right? <laughs> so this was just now, whatever. So so like every day there was a different part of you know this this discussion. And it creates, you know, creates uh, a, a discussion on, on, on the topic that wouldn't come up on a, just a regular newscast, right? And right. I feel like that's the future. You know, it's, it's taking something and just like diving into it. And, and there's, there's any subject people are interested in, right? You know, you just have to find uh, a subject that will be interesting. To what do you people. think are some of the major um, areas that, that are still ripe for exploration, for analysis, especially in terms of the diaspora-Israel relationship? What are some of the major hot topics you'd still like to cover or people you'd like to connect with? So like the labor in the UK, I told you, is something that, uh, that, I mean, I just, 
there's so much going on there it's like you can't even just understand it from the outside without just diving into it and I yeah. haven't had the time would you be sent there on assignment to the UK ever or? yeah I mean I, I actually fl- used to fly a lot more before uh, for work before my kids were born two right. years ago right. uh, but yeah I mean definitely I twins mean, as you mentioned to me before yeah twins two year old twins yeah so boy uh, and a girl boys two boys wow yeah lots of uh, two purses in one day huh uh, yeah, well, it was it was a question if it would be the same day because they were small, but yeah, it wasn't the same day. Um, so yeah, I flew like all over the place, and it was it's amazing to to kind of get that perspective. And I feel I feel that that's what gives me kind of the ability to to to, um, to speak to different people from different Jewish backgrounds and respect them. You know, there's so much of of a stigma towards I don't know French Jews. Right, and I love them. You know, like I didn't always love them. Okay, like you know, I'll stay straight. But ever since I started co- covering them and and visiting France and dealing with with the community here in Israel, there's like you know a very big aliyah, right, wave of aliyah here in Israel. All the violence. Um, yeah. I, I I just you know I love I love just like sitting with them and talking with them, and, and it's a different mentality, you know. But you have to you have to connect it. Um, that connects actually to my my biggest story. You asked oh. like what? Yeah, please. So my biggest story, uh, most popular, I guess, was uh, three years ago. I uh, I did a video in Paris. I uh, I uh, had a hidden camera and I walked ten hours in the streets of Paris. Uh, I get those faces all the time. People don't uh, <laughs> don't don't connect uh, me to the story. So it was a it was a very viral vi- video. I walked in Paris and and different suburbs around Paris with a kippa and tzitzit out. Yep. And with the hidden camera, it was kind of, it was the same year there was this girl in New York did, did a walk and she got these chauvinistic uh, remarks. Her name was Shoshana something and she's Jewish. Um, that was very viral and everyone was, do- everyone was doing these social media stuff of like 10 hours walking in. So I did Paris with a kippah. Um, I got a lot of anti-Semit- anti-Semitism, people spinning at me, uh, cursing, um, threats. It was, uh, it was very interesting. <laughs> Um, and this was like days after the um, terrorist attack in Hypercatcher. Hypercatcher and Charlie Hebdo a few days before that. And, and we published it, I think the day of, it, it, it wasn't planned, the day of there was a terrorist attack in Copenhagen. There's this very big sense of like what's going on Jewish, oh. with the Jewish community in, in Europe. Uh, it exploded on social media millions of views uh, on youtube facebook i mean our youtube alone had five million views wow um i did interviews on every single big network you could think of Um, i always say when i speak about this i say the only uh, american and the only news outlet they didn't report on it was the new york times (laughs) shocker right but like washington post cnn bbc fox CNN and Fox twice, two interviews, um, Japanese national TV, um, Arab countries, Asia, Europe, obviously. Right. Um, then tens of copycats did this in different countries, including um, uh, Denmark after the terrorist attack there, Sweden, um, uh, Belgium. Uh, South America, different people did like in Brazil. How about Israel? Anyone tried in Israel? <laughs> so people said, oh, uh, dress as an Arab in a uh, community or dress as a Jew in an Arab community. Right, the same right. thing would happen. Um, and there was even one guy in Egypt who did, it was like an actor. I didn't really understand what the concept was, but like he also did like walking. It was crazy. It was like a few crazy like weeks of just like, you know. Were you afraid wow. of violence? I mean, when you were doing this walk, were you afraid? I thought I would, there would be more violence, actually. Were you afraid you were going to be attacked? I mean, did you... I had a bodyguard. Okay. I was, <laughs> I was one, that's what I was a wondering. A hidden bodyguard. But this is not the U.S. You can't carry a gun in Europe unless you are official... Law enforcement? Yeah. Well, I know, like in Great Britain, even the cops don't have guns often. Right, right. So it was an Israeli guy who worked for the embassy and stuff like that in in. in Paris and I said so how are you gonna defend like, me he's like I have, I have things here that Krav Maga <laughs> well also but he was wearing this like big coat and he wouldn't tell me what was on something's in there that uh, and like a bag, be about. a bag with stuff in it and <laughs> I don't know 
you know? You hired him privately or the embassy actually dispatched him? No, 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 he like freelanced with freelance, them. Yeah. yeah, we hired him pri privately. Um, yeah, and, uh, and there was one time where he told us we had to leave a certain area uh, because of what was going on. Not everything is a you're able to see on video, but... Uh, well, I was going to ask in the, in the reverse sense, did you get any criticism of, look, if you're walking around for 10 hours, Something's liable to happen, and, and you just video. right. You just gotta right. show that one minute have one crazy guy, and that brands an entire country. Right? How did you respond? Got you a lot of criticism, and also the criticism was you're going to the suburbs. I don't know if you remembered. I think it was Fox News had this whole issue, and they made up this term called the, you know the no go zones. No go zones. These neighborhoods, right? And they were sued by even the police Paris, the Paris uh, mayor sued them and stuff like that. So I also went to these areas. Okay. Um, so I understand the criticism, right? Like obviously, if you walk in a Jewish neighborhood, Jewish, Jewish neighborhood in Paris, you won't necessarily get that. But and even in those neighborhoods, it might only happen by one person. Right, exactly. And you showed that one person. Right. But it's not like this is a different country. This is the same country. There's no borders for right. these fanatics to, to. They won't be able to cross. You know, this is a suburb of Paris. Right. And you feel like you're in the Middle East, and I have no problem with that. But if if someone like me can't walk around there, and there are many, there are, I mean, France is the largest Jewish community aside from the from from the U.S. Um, people don't know that. By I the did way. not know that. Half a million Jews. Oh. Yeah, that's a different story. If you want to discuss about why people don't know that, <laughs> but um, but uh, yeah, so it's a big issue. And, and then so many people in the Jewish community said, oh, there really isn't anything. There really you can walk with the kippah. I know many people who go with the kippah, but most religious people that I know that walk with kippahs or are used to walk with kippahs or, or women with, you know, with, the, with the Star of David on their neck told me that they've you know, experienced this. It's not something that they were surprised about. Right. But, um, so I had many pe people ask me about what you said, and it's just a minute and a half. What happened the rest of the time? I said, part of it was just fine. Part of it was bad, but didn't show or, you, or the microphone didn't get it or you know, different stuff like that. Um, but it doesn't matter because you know, it's even a minute and a half, it exists. Right. It exists. People spat at me. You know, people threatened me to leave a certain area. People called me Jew. Um, I'm proud of being a Jew, but you know, did you I don't yell out Muslim. At, at did you engage? Did you respond? A hundred percent. Yeah, and also um, liberal. You know, especially European media. They're, they wouldn't even suggest anything about the fact that all of them are Muslim right. or Arab or stuff like that. So I said it, you know, and it's not something they're used to hear. Definitely not in very, very liberal countries uh, because that's where that's where I got the negative, um, you know, the negative feedback was was specifically from Muslims in Muslim neighborhoods. Um, and I also said, you know, I said, you have to understand, I, I visit Europe all the time as a journalist or before that as, you know, someone working for Jewish organizations. Many places I go, I just don't wear a kippah. And they said, really, why not? I said, because Europe is not safe for Jews. <laughs> you know what? Like, they're in, why should I expose myself? Here I had a bodyguard, this and that, but day to day, if when I go visit there, I'm not going to wear a kippah. I'll wear a hat or I'll take it off entirely. And, and it was very difficult for them to understand. And I think that was one of the things that kind of helped the discussion in Europe to actually realize there really is anti-Semitism. And you don't get it until you see it or feel it. I also, for years, wrote about anti-Semitism. I was just like, does it really exist? Am right. I just like, am I, am, or am it's I just... alarmism and... Right. But it does, uh, first of all. Um, I do feel that sometimes we over-exaggerate calling things anti-Semitic or discussing it too much. Like hypersensitivity. Yeah, but then again, it does exist. So, like, you know, if you don't, like, an, an average American Jew doesn't get it. And by the way, if you want to understand about how people here don't understand Judaism outside of Israel, I got a phone call when there was all these, remember those threats to Jewish institutions, JCC, yep. old age homes, turned out to be an Israeli, whatever, Aye. crazy story. But I got a phone call from an, an Israeli journalist who was working on like an investigative TV show. And he said, can you find me an American who stopped wearing his kippah? because of the situation with the threats and the bomb threats. And I said, no. He said, why not? I said, because there isn't anyone. <laughs> and the media here just, also in, the, also in America, but definitely here, it was so, definitely the liberal media was like blowing out of proportion. Obviously, it was crazy. It was terrible, you know, having kids or old people having to run out of a building because they're afraid there's going to be a bomb there, right? Um, 
but they were actually sh sure that like you know people are not expressing their Ju Judaism out outwardly in the U.S. because of this. And I said, I don't know of any. I mean, there may be some. I said, they said I, I spoke to a group of young Jews from, from Los Angeles, and they said they actually do know some. So, okay, so maybe, right. so maybe there are, but it wasn't like a thing, right? right. Am I wrong? Or no, I, it's in my experience, I, I don't right, remember. Right, so that's I'm kind of how media could sometimes over-exaggerate right. a situation and... Uh, well, what's uh, what's next for you? Can you see yourself doing this kind of beat for, for the extended future? Or do you have other dreams or projects you'd like to initiate? Uh, I would hope to keep on doing journalism, but not only do doing journalism to to promote different initiatives that here in Israel and there are many initiatives now uh, of connecting of of more awareness here in Israel towards Jews outside of Israel. And what would be an example? Um, I can't talk about. Can't it say it here <laughs> Same for the next uh, episode. Tell you when you turn off okay. the, uh, the thingy there. We got a teaser uh, for the future. There we right. go. Right, but uh, there are many initiatives now, um, and uh, different. I mean, just yesterday I could tell you I was in a, a, like a brainstorming. There was some like research institute. Um, they're called the the Reut Institute, and they have like this yeah. brainstorming on like what to do. Um, and if, uh, they 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 pick different people who deal with Jewish diaspora here in Israel and to create some sort of coalition and discussion with the elite group in the U.S. about how we can change the narrative and the discussion or, or lack of discussion between the two sides and, and create some sort of a bridge oh. uh, between the Jewish community. So that's something that, it, that was the first meeting yesterday. It was super interesting. Beautiful. Who else was a member of that? Who else is included in that um, conversation? Heads of organizations that deal with the subject, like, uh, for instance, like the uh, there was like an organization, like an uh, an, uh, an organization that works with all the youth movements here in Israel, Jewish youth or Zionistic youth youth movements here in Israel, and they had like a procedure they went through to that each youth movement here in Israel now has a rep someone that deals with Jewish diaspora, so either secular or religious youth movements have someone that deals with with that connection. Um, they were there. There was some other person who was kind of like a media personality. There were um, people from different Jewish organizations, uh, like representatives of, of organizations from America here in Israel. Um, people who are um, who are deal with research on the matter. People who um, from different colleges. Uh, someone who's establishing um, a program about Jewish diaspora in the Mechinot Gdam Tzvayot, in the pre-army, yeah. how do you say it? Pre-army uh, academies or Yeah, here in Israel. They're very elite. Schools. Like, you know, they're, yeah. they're very elite people take a year before their army right. service and like, I met with that learn and learn. Kesher Yehudi, but um, it's a program that brings Jewish uh, wisdom to those environments. And right. A woman named Tzili Schneider. Is right. A, a so all these like yeah. little initiatives here in Israel yeah. and kind of, and try and see how we connect with, with Americans, but also really um, make the fact make more Israelis here aware uh, of of Jews outside of Israel. And well, one of the interesting ways I think that happens is through birthright, um, right. because I've I've run many birthright trips and yeah, the soldiers bring soldiers on the trip, and right. that for them is many times their first encounter with the diaspora Jewry, right. and the two become very very close, the two right. groups, and it, they say oh, often they say I never realized that you know this is what's going on outside right. of Israel. So I have uh, nephews who are also twins, and they're very smart. They're like considered, you know, I don't know. One of them is like a genius. The other one's almost whatever a genius. Take after their uncle, you know. Um, <laughs> they're actually not blood <laughs> nephews. I'm trying to throw you a bone there. So, Come sorry on. about that. Very smart kids, really, like smarter yeah. than I was at that age. Okay, oh, wow. and and they're like maybe like third grade, and I hear them talking to each other about this relative they have who's going to marry someone who's not Jewish. And they said, well, what's the problem? She can convert, just like, you know, just like Tzvika did. And I was like, what? And then like, I joined their discussion. I said, well, what's, this, what's the deal? They said, well, you moved here from America, so obviously you converted. Wow. These are very smart kids who read a lot of books and are um, very good at school, um, who learn in a religious Zionist elitist school and they had no idea that Jews exist outside of Israel. Unbelievable. And you know, that's, that's kind of my, my goal, is to change that, so. Uh, oh, 
Well, it sounds like you have a long way to go, but a, yeah. but a great platform for the mission. 100%. Uh, and and we'll I look, enjoy it. Yeah. We'll look forward to seeing uh, more of these stories. Where can people find your work? And is it accessible in English to anyone? Or Well, if you want to see The Walk in Paris, just write Keep Up Paris on YouTube or Google. It will show up. Right. You'll see all the stuff. And uh, my sites are in, my articles are in Hebrew on uh, makorishon.co.il uh, website. And um, I'm hoping for, to translate some of them soon, uh, especially in, about this you know, dialogue between Israel and Jewish yeah. diaspora. Sounds like it'll be a, a wonderful blog yeah. dedicated yeah. to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. Okay, we'll look forward to seeing that and, uh, and to hearing about all the secret initiatives that are uh, in development as right. well to, uh, to bridge well, those let's, gaps. Let's speak again in a year. There we go. We'll come back to you and then get the, uh, the updates. Right. Speaker Klein, thank you so, so much for joining us. Thank you. This has been Ari Koretsky on Jews You Should Know. Please visit us at JewsYouShouldKnow.com and subscribe at iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you consume podcasts. Find us on social media at JewsYouShouldKnow. If you'd like to become a supporter of this podcast, we would greatly appreciate that. And you can do so by visiting Patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash JewsYouShouldKnow. Finally, if you have enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a review so that we can continue to grow and introduce many more people to Jews you should know.